at today? Where is your faith at today? You know, one of the things that we see, and we see it in Scripture as being important, is our spiritual growth. Right? Growth is important in every area of our life. You don't look at your bank account and say, man, I hope in five years from now I have half of this. No. We, we hear about people trying to climb the ladder at work, trying to continue to improve and, and, and uh, raise your level of where you are at your job. If you're a small business owner, you know that you are wanting your business to continue to do well, to continue to grow. And spiritual growth is essentially important. Peter writes about it. But the question that I have for you this morning is, where are you today? Think back with me five years ago. How has your faith changed in the last five years? Woo. Are you reading your Bible more than you were five years ago? Are you spending more time in prayer than you were five years ago? Have you grown in your knowledge of the Lord in the last five years? Do you feel closer to God over the past five years? We love to set goals, right? To say, man, I, I am uh, going to grow my spiritual walk, but time goes by so fast, and life is so busy. Five years ago to today, what does it look like for you? The big question that I have asking you, that I want to ask you this morning is what's holding your faith back? How desperate are you for Jesus? There's a story of a large circus elephant. I mean, elephants are large. You don't really have to say large, I guess, right? Um, but a, a huge elephant. And it's tied into the ground by an 18-inch stake. 18 inches. is holding this huge animal in the ground. Why? You're probably thinking, and I know I, I thought this, well, couldn't the elephant just pull the stake out of the ground? I mean, my goodness, some of you might be able to pull the stake out of the ground. What happened was, when this elephant was a baby elephant, it was tied up to this stake. And when it was little, it couldn't pull away. It was stuck. And so as the elephant continued to get older... It associated being tied with the stake to being stuck in that location. And so even though the elephant could now lift 600 to 1,000 pounds, it wouldn't move because it was tied to the stake. What stake is holding your faith back today? Is it, is it money? Is it the love of money? Is the love of money keeping you from pursuing a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ? Is your pride, is it a, a lifestyle of, of partying and other things that you don't want to give up? Is it sports? Is it politics? Are there things that are keeping you from growing? What stake is holding your faith back today? And I say all of this, all of this in the beginning to ask you this question. How desperate are you for Jesus? Would you pray with me? God, we ask this morning that you would, um, Father, just present your truth in a clear way. May it be your words, Father, and not mine. Thank you for giving us truth. We don't have to create it, invent it, make it up. You've given us truth, and we thank you and praise you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you open your Bibles with me this morning to Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5, verse 21 is where we're going to start. 
I'm going to move this just so I'm able to see. We're going to be introduced to a couple of different characters here in this story. Um, and I will explain them as, as we go through. Mark chapter 5, verse 21. Here's what it says. And when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered around him. And he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And earnestly he fell at his feet and implored him, earnestly saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. And he went with him. And a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years and who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I even touch his garments, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned. Can we, before I read the next part, can you imagine walking, and all of a sudden you feel power goes out from you? How amazing is that? Isn't that just mind-boggling, right? It's, it's Jesus is walking, all of a sudden... Who's trying to steal a miracle, right? It's all of a sudden power goes out from him and he knows it. That's amazing. That's amazing. But let's, let's keep going, right? Because the whole story is amazing. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing around you? And yet you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it, but the woman knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. We're going to continue reading in a minute, but before, I, I, we, need, we need to talk about a little bit of this. This man by the name of Jairus, you, you can't really separate the story of Jairus from the bleeding woman. They kind of run into each other, and, and while there are, of course, many different sermons that could be preached on this passage, the way that I look at it is their stories are intermingled, they're intertwined here, and we're going to look at why that is. But first of all, this Jesus, he, he's introduced, he meets this man by the name of Jairus. Now, Jesus knew this man was going to be there. He wasn't surprised by it. And imagine with me for a moment the urgency that's in Jairus' heart in regards to his little girl. She's dying. She's at the brink of death. And he comes to the master. He comes to the Savior. And he says, I need your help. Jesus goes with him. And all of a sudden, as, as they're walking through this crowd, he's, this, this lady reaches out and touches his garments. This lady who has been sick for 12 years. 12 years. Think about how long that is. Some of you this morning, you might have, you might be, have been sick for the last 12 years. You might have wrestled with different things for the last 12 years. 
You know what happens to your mind as you continue to fight through different things. The discouragement that can come in, the depression. The Bible says that she had went from doctor to doctor trying to get a solution. But all that happened was that she grew worse. The Bible says that she spent dollar after dollar, even though it wouldn't have been dollars back then, right? All of her money. But she kept getting worse for 12 years. And she heard of this man by the name of Jesus. And she said, if I can get to Jesus, something's going to change. How desperate are you for Jesus this morning? The Bible says that when she touched his cloak, she immediately stopped bleeding. Immediately. It wasn't, take this pill, you'll be better in the next six days. <laughs> and if that doesn't work, come back and we'll give you another one. It was immediate. After 12 years of suffering, it stopped. She was healed, fully, completely healed. And then Jesus, after she's healed, the Bible says that Jesus, he turns and, and says, who touched my garments? Now, Jesus knew exactly who touched his cloak. It's kind of like when God calls out for Adam in the garden. God knew exactly where Adam was, right? There is no hiding from God, right? You can get on a ship and go towards Tarshish, but God knows exactly where you are. You can totally avoid what God's trying to tell you to do, but God knows your heart and he knows where you are. And, and, and this lady, Jesus wanted her to come forward. It's very interesting what the Bible says. It says that she, she told him the whole truth. You know, Jesus turns around. Who touched my garments? It reminded me of a story. Um, when Sarah and I were first married, um, it was Thanksgiving Day, Thanksgiving Day. And, and I remember it was our first Thanksgiving together, right? The Cowboys and Redskins played on Thanksgiving, and the Redskins won, right? We had all this family over to our house. We were literally like sardines. It was this tiny little apartment. We took our whole bedroom apart just so we could put a table in so that people were able to come in and eat in our house. Great memories. After everyone leaves, game's over. Sarah looks at me, and she says, Tony, let's go Black Friday shopping. Let's go Black Friday shopping. Now, when you're newly married, you'll do whatever it takes to make your spouse happy, right? Right? Honey, will you do the dishes? I'm your man. I got it. I got it. Let me do the dishes. Can you take out the trash? This guy. And then after a little while, you start to think to yourself, you know what? I'm going to do things the way I want to do them only to find out that for the rest of your life you're going to do what she wants you to do. <laughs> now, I'm, I'm just messing with you, am I? <laughs> but it was Black Friday, and she says, Tony, can we go Black Friday shopping? Uh, sure, that'd be, that'd be great. If you know anything about me, I hate shopping. Hate it. Newly married. Let's go. This sounds like fun. We get out of the house and we hop in. I'm pretty sure it was her 96 Geo Tracker, right? Close the doors, hop in, buckle our seatbelts, start the car up. It sounds like, I don't know, it sounds terrible. Ring, 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 ring. And we drive down the road and we get to the big store that we're going to. And the line is all the way around the whole store. I already hate shopping. 
freezing cold outside. And we're waiting in line. I mean, this is, this is the entrance of the store. It goes all the way back behind the whole building. And we're waiting. And the line starts to move. And we start to move. And then the line stops because they only let so many people in. And then we start to move again. And finally, we, we get to the entrance. And it's crazy inside. Craziness inside. Absolutely insane. Everybody is, is pushing each other out of the way, trying to get what they want. There were no carts left, right? It was just out of control. And uh, so we go in, right? <laughs> and I, I just remember being in there and, and thinking, what am I doing here? <laughs> all, all sorts of, of decency, civility, it was all out the window, right? It was all out the window. It was all about what I want. And what I was planning on doing with this was, was tying it into how, how crowded it was. And because it was, you're kind of pushing through people's shoulders. But what actually came to my mind, what the Lord brought to my heart in this, was that people were so obsessed with saving $25 on a television, or $10 on a movie, or $25 on a, a set of pot and pans. They were so desperate to save 25% off of makeup, or whatever they could do, that they waited in line for hours and hours and hours. How desperate are we for Jesus Christ? Right? How desperate are we for Jesus Christ, right? Because we will wait in line and, and people were literally pushing each other out of the way to get what they want. Now, it wasn't like some of those videos where you see people like drop kicking each other. It wasn't that. But it was, it was out of control. It got to the point actually where I looked at Sarah and I said, I, I was so angry in my heart. And I, I, I'm just telling you that this morning, right, wrong, or indifferent. I was so angry in my heart that I was looking and seeing people that were just so obsessed with saving this that they were treating each other like garbage. And, and I told Sarah, I said, I got to get out of here. I, this isn't good for me. <laughs> I got to get out of here. And I don't know what, if we had anything. And, and we should be like, all right, all right, let's go. And we, get, we, we walked up and it was like, oh, there's nobody in line. And we checked out. Little did we know, we actually cut 100 people that were behind us. But we got out of there as fast as we could, so it was okay. It was okay. But you know, in all honesty, guys, it's, it's, time, it's time that we take off our short-sighted glasses that we have of, of our life here on this earth and thinking that this is the most important thing. And man, if I save $100 on this, whoop-de-doo, our most important things needs to be our, our spiritual growth and reaching other people for the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's time to take off the short-sighted glasses, break them in half, throw them away, and start to focus on the things that actually matter. Not that you shouldn't save money. But what came to me through all of this was these people were so desperate for material possessions. How desperate are we for Jesus Christ? How desperate are you for the person next to you that might not know Jesus at all? Jesus says in perceiving in himself, or the Bible says in Jesus perceiving in himself, Power had gone out from immediately turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him, told him the whole truth, and he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Now, I'd like you to remember with me this morning, J. Iris, who met Jesus at the boat, he's there. He's present while all this is happening and the urgency in his heart to save the life of his daughter I'm sure is growing more and more he's walking with Jesus he thinks yes I got the savior this is going to work and all of a sudden they come to a stop because there's another lady who has another situation that Jesus is working out at that moment 
Now, remember with me this morning, and this is going to work through the whole way, that Jesus already knew Jairus was going to be there. He already knew his daughter was sick. He already knew all of Jairus' thoughts. He already knew the bleeding woman would touch his garment. But Jairus didn't. See, you never know what God's going to do along the way. We oftentimes have our own plans, which do not end up being part of God's plan. And at times, the urgency in our lives is so great. But what we see here is the response from Jesus. The Bible says, while Jesus was still talking, there came some from the ruler's house. There came from the ruler's house some who said, your daughter is dead. Jairus' daughter had died. But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, don't fear, only believe. Don't fear, only believe. There's a story of, a, of an elderly lady who was well known for her faith and her boldness in praising the Lord. Don't you love someone that's bold in their faith? It makes you bolder in your faith. When you hear someone proclaiming Jesus, you just want to be like, yes, yes. And this lady, she, she was such a bold proclaimer of Jesus, she would, she would wake up every morning, open her door, come out, and say, praise the Lord from her front porch every day. She had a neighbor who was an atheist. And he would get so upset at her doing that that he would yell back, there ain't no Lord. But it didn't stop her. Every day she'd come out of her house, open the door, come out, praise the Lord. There ain't no Lord. Hard times started to fall on this lady. And she goes out and she walks to her porch, her place of prayer, and she says, God, I need your help. I don't even have money for food. Please help me. I need food. Praise you. I need food. Next day, she comes out of her house, and there's a huge bag of groceries sitting on the porch. And she says, praise the Lord. And outside of, out of this bush jumps her neighbor, and he goes, ah, there is no Lord. I bought the groceries. And the lady, the little old lady, she starts dancing. Right? She starts dancing. And she says, praise the Lord. Not only did he give me groceries, he made the devil pay for them. You know, you know, here's the thing, guys. Here's the thing. Don't fear, only believe. And sometimes the outcome that happens isn't what we're expecting. It's not what we're hoping for. But we have to trust that it's all a part of God's plan and that God's good. God could have very well not given groceries to that lady. He still would have been good. He still would have been good. Jairus' daughter had passed away. But let's keep going. Verse 37. And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. They came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and Jesus saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. And when he had entered, he said to them, Why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. 
But he put them all outside and took the, fa- the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. Taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talita kumi, which means, little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the little girl got up and began walking, for she was 12 years of age. And they were immediately overcome with amazement, and he strictly charged them that no one should know this, and he told them to give her something to eat. Jesus arrives at the house, not surprised by what's going on, not surprised by their reaction. See, it's important for us to remember this. God knows everything. He's not surprised by any of this. He arrives at the house. The family is understandably distraught. <coughs> Excuse me. The life of a 12-year-old girl was just lost. And Jesus comes to them and he says, Why are you upset? She's just sleeping. Now, again, in the other Gospels, it refers to her as being dead. I believe that she is dead. I don't believe that Jesus is lying. Of course, Jesus does not lie. And we'll see here in a minute with the phrase talita kumi what I believe he's actually trying to say. You know, one of my favorite things to do as a parent is to go in and wake Nehemiah up. I don't mean when he's screaming at me, right, and I open the door. I mean actually just getting to wake him up. (coughs) Excuse me. When you open the door and his little innocent body is laying there completely asleep. So pure. In such a deep sleep that even when I rub his back, he doesn't wake up. And I get to rub his little back and say, it's time to get up, baby boy. Time to wake up. Talita kumi, when you look at what's being said here, um, you look at the translation, the second line down, it says, little girl, I say to you, arise. I think oftentimes we take our understanding of who uh, we believe Jesus to be and and reading different things to, to almost read that as Jesus walks in, sees the little girl sitting there and says, little girl, I say to you, arise. This bold declaration shouted out, thunderous in the sky. But that's not what's being said. Excuse me. Talita kumi actually refers more to a pet name. It's something a parent would do in waking their child up in the morning. A little 12-year-old girl. Jesus walks up to this little baby girl and, and he holds her hand. Maybe he sits down. And he says, honey, it's time. It's not a loud declaration. There's no thunder that's raining from the sky. He holds her hand, maybe rubs her head, says, it's time to get up, baby girl. It's time to get up. See, I believe what Jesus is saying here, and I think that Talita Kumi supports this, is that to Jesus, Death is merely sleep. He has the power over life and death. It's time to get up, honey. Puts a completely different spin on the way that you read that. But it's not uncommon with other ways that we see God represent himself in the Bible. Think back with me to when Jesus was first born. How did the Jews expect their Messiah to truly come? 
not as a baby in a manger, right? Do you remember the story of, of um, Elijah when he went up to the mountain, right? And, and, and the Bible says, and I think I even have it for you here, that he was supposed to go, on, go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in a cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? I think sometimes we're so desperate to hear what we want to hear from God that we're waiting for some thunderous sound from the sky. We want God to fix our situation in the way that we want him to fix our situation. And oftentimes we're not listening when he's speaking. Talita kumi. It reminded me of something else. You know how many times in our lives we look at something and say it's dead? My situation, maybe my job over here, it's just not working out. This is over. My marriage, we've been fighting for this forever. It's done. <coughs> this relationship, this situation, it's gone. It's over. <laughs> I've, I've wasted way too much time in this. This isn't working out anymore, and, and, and it's unfixable. This passage is just one where we see God breathing life into a situation that seemed completely lost. And I encourage you this morning to not lose faith when situations seem dire. when you don't feel like there's any hope. Remember that we serve the God who can make the impossible possible. We serve the God who knows everything before it happens. And we serve the God who is the only God. Would you pray with me? Jesus, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you that we can gather together and read your truth. God, we thank you for stories like this. Where we see the gentleness of the Savior. But in the gentleness, a tremendous power of which we cannot even begin to comprehend. Lord, we ask for the situations in this room this morning that seem like they're lost. May you help us have faith. Have faith and trust that what you allow to happen is what you want to happen. Father, may we serve you realizing that, God, we, we want our lives to go according to your will, not your will to fit our lives. We want our lives to fit your will. Lord, may you take our lives, mold them, use them that they bring all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise to the only one who is worthy. In Jesus' name.
Would you stand with us now as we sing Victory in Jesus? I heard an old story about a Savior who came from glory. This is the same Savior that brought the body of this little girl back. <laughs> 